Thank you, Anita. And God bless you as you've given in the past and continue to give. Amen. So we'll keep you updated. Next week we'll talk a little bit about it. You know what? I'm going to get you to stay here for a moment. And uh, Pastor Terrell and your better half, come on up here. Hope he didn't offend him or anything. That's what they say about all of us, right, guys? The better half. So I have a question to ask you. Get in the middle. Face your husband. And you face him. And you get behind. <clears throat> Do you trust him? Good. That shouldn't be any problem then. You move a little closer. Now, what about that guy? Do you trust him? Yeah. Oh, good. Do you know what a trust test is? Is it that full yeah. back? Yeah. <laughs> no, he doesn't trust himself. So you have to close your eyes. And uh, do you know what to do? Give her a little push on her shoulders. Back and You will or might? Oh, he will catch you. Get a little closer and then just get a couple a step back each time. Let's try this trust test. Just let yourself go. <laughs> no, you got to trust them. Try it again. Okay, now guys, uh, step back one more foot. You're just supposed to keep your eyes closed through the whole thing, you know. Now, that's, that's really pushing it. But anyway, go ahead. Close your eyes. <laughs> this isn't a trick. Oh, he'll catch you. Hey! Well, we get the point. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Trust me, the Lord says, right? <laughs> well, it's Missionary Sunday, as it was last week and next week as well, because Anita's going to come back and, and uh, certainly encourage you to take those missions cards home with you. Maybe you already made up your mind what you're going to give to missions. That's fine. You can put it where? I forgot to ask. Where did they give them? In the offering plate? Or where? Okay. You'll find a spot, I'm sure. Pastor Connie will help us out. Well, anyway, this morning I want to share a message. Uh, these are just wonderful reports and exciting, and I could go off on tangents on some of them because I know those people, but Today I want to share a message with you, simply calling it Unlocking the Door to Untold Blessings, and a subtitle would be The Logic of Faith, Unlocking a Door. Well, there's a key that's in the Bible that when it's used, it will unlock a door that will bring untold blessings to your life. You will live in the supernatural. Every person that's a believer, this works to, works for it's what I call an open secret. And I know this is the North American gospel, you know, the prosperity gospel. Well, this is kind of a prosperity message, but not like you see on TV, I hope, most of them anyway. I want to share with you my testimony. About 50 years ago, in January 1973, I became a believer, and I was 18 years of age, so you can figure out the math, 68, that's right. 
I discovered a key that would unlock a door to the most amazing things that would happen to my life. I live in the supernatural, and I still do today. Well, the secret is the, to the key is that you need to trust. And you need to have faith just a little bit, and you have to obey. See how she was so obedient? A little reluctant, but she obeyed. Anyway, when you obey what God asks you to do, I guarantee you, you're going to bring blessing to thousands of people. Giving to missions is an example of that. I'll share more about that next week in that message. It was less than 24 hours after I gave my heart to Jesus Christ on a Friday night in Toronto, in Etobicoke, at Dixon Gospel Temple, now called Abundant Life. Friday night I got saved, and I really got saved. I was set free from all the drug addictions, mostly psychological, but just didn't care anymore. My mouth got cleaned up. I couldn't swear if I tried, if you know what I mean. It was just new life. And this uncle that I have, who is a believer, who invited me to church and shared the gospel with me, this uncle sits down with me on Saturday morning, less than 24 hours after I'm saved, and he says, you know, now that you're a Christian, you should tithe. And I thought, I didn't even know what the word meant. Honestly, I'm not raised in the church. He says, well, the Bible says you give God a tenth of your income. A tenth belongs to him. And I was thinking, is that all he wants? Ten percent? My sins are gone? This new life? I used to blow more than that almost my whole pay just to have parties. Of course, ten percent's no big deal. So I did. Funny thing was, on that was Sunday, I put my first tithe check into the offering plate less than 72 hours after I'm saved, 48, whatever it is. So anyway, I do that. Then this uncle has the nerve to come to me and say, you know, Tom, if you really want to be blessed, you need to give above and beyond your 10%. Listen, I have this project. We're looking for founding members for Camp Curiou up in Perry Sound, which happened to be my grandfather's old farm. And my uncle is one of the founders. And so he put me on a project back in 73 of uh, giving a thousand bucks along with a bunch of others. And so over the next number of weeks, I started to give toward that. And so that was kind of how I got introduced to all of this. And so, skipping along here. Within a year after I started this, by the way, God called me to go to the ministry and Bible college, and I reluctantly went. But within a year, after I became a believer and started to tithe, I bought a new car and paid for it. I paid for my first uh, year of Bible college. All of the tuition was paid, which included all the meals and everything. And also, at the same time, I gave away 25% of my income. It was a miracle. Well, that's how it works. <laughs> and there's testimonies throughout here. Is there something I can do to this to stop this? Pull it away? Okay, we'll try that. Sorry for the distraction. Well, I used this key when I went to Bible college. A poor Bible college student, you know. Never had trouble finding jobs, part-time jobs while I was in Bible college. As a matter of fact, in the summer, I went to, to uh, up north. I just 
decided to drive up north, a burden for the small churches up there, stopped in Long Lac, Ontario, found a little Pentecostal church with a half a dozen or so people in it, and uh, within no time, his other friend, who happened to end up there too from Bible College, we had about seven job offers. I made enough money that summer so that when I not only paid for my second year at Bible College, but when I got my income tax back, it paid for my final year at Bible College. Isn't that amazing? Now, costs a little bit more these days, but that worked for me at that time. After Bible College, I went to Perry Sound, my hometown where I was never a Christian, but now I was a pastor, so I knew everybody on the streets, everybody outside the church, and about one or two people inside the church. <laughs> that was, was a great opportunity. They paid me a whopping $75 a week for my salary back in 1977. I made more than that in a day as a student working for the government or the borough of North York or wherever I was working. Yet I knew this is what God wanted me to do. And the Bible says in Malachi chapter 3 that if you tithe, God would open up a storehouse of blessing so much that your house could not contain it. That's what it says. And we'll read those scriptures in just a minute. So I am a, making $75 a week. My wife has just finished some college courses. So she's making not a whole lot more than that. And our wedding is coming up. She wasn't my wife, fiance. So we're getting married. And uh, I have this monstrous family. And I know that I can't afford to bring them all. And so the church in Perry Sound said, we would like to put the wedding on for you. Isn't that wonderful? So they did. They put the wedding on. They said, you just look after the meat for the, for the meal. And so they did. And so we had over 300 guests, this poor preacher. And while we were at the reception, they got the idea to pass a boot around. You know, they pass the boot around and you put some money in it, and that helps them on their honeymoon. Well, prior to that, one of the board members said, I have this condo in Sarasota, or trailer, trailer home. You can have that for your honeymoon. Well, I still had to get there. <laughs> but they didn't give, a, you know, a running shoe or a small shoe. They sent around a big stovepipe rubber boot, and they filled it. And we had our way paid down, all our hotels, all our gas, all our food. We came back, $75 a week. Poor preachers. <laughs> Did I, did, are the pictures there? Did they come up yet? So, yeah, that guy with the hair is me. That's some of the gifts. The next picture, pardon me, I think that's Spanish. But uh, there's a picture of our house. We did not have a place to sit because of the gifts that God had given to us. Isn't that incredible? Why don't you give God the glory? Amen? Amen. And we're still, still opening gifts 50 years later. That's, that's amazing. Not quite 50, sorry. 45, we were married. Anyway, let's read some scripture together. Let's stand. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. Let's read it together. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. 
A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Those who trust in riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. Malachi chapter 3 says, verse 7, Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are you robbing, how are we robbing you, sorry, in tithes and offerings? You're under a curse, the whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. So says the Lord, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines of your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then the nations call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. You going to fix me? Go ahead. I'm never sure what I'm doing wrong or right. Thank you. God bless his word. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Pastor Terrell. As a regional director that was after a pastor for 17 years, uh, or more than that, 21 years, then I became uh, a regional director, which means I was uh, looking, overseeing the churches, helping the district superintendent. And a number of times I sat down with church boards that were not tithing to the district. And I said to them, you know, you need to tithe. And God will bless you. You have financial difficulties here. And so sometimes they would say things like this. Oh, we, don't, we can't afford to tithe. Now, you, you know, here I am with a nice salary because I'm a district guy. And the pastor's hardly making anything. Sometimes he's working at another job. And I'm telling them that they have to take their $3,000 and send 300 to the district. And their pastor's not going to get a full salary. But I did it anyway. And, I, and our district superintendent at the time believed that it was important for us to teach our churches this principle. So this happened time and again without any exaggeration. I said to them, I realize now that if we take this $300, we'll use that figure, that you're not going to be able to meet your budget, but just try it and see what happens. And our district in the meantime is going to give you $300 subsidy on top of what we were already doing. And that made sense. Sure. We give 300, we get 300. And some of the guys that I work with said, well, that's stupid. What's the point? Well, it's not, it's not stupid. It's, there is a point to it. Every time we did that, every time, within two months, their church had more money than they had before, and they were saying, we don't need the subsidy anymore. It works. It works. It's a miracle. <laughs> this church, I know, is the one of the former German branch churches. When I was in Burlington, under the, there were a number of people that came from German, the German branch church in Hamilton. They were part of our church. They are such strong givers and strong tithers. You've had a history in this church that you ought to be thankful for every day. The German congregations know how to give and how to give generously. And now this church would not be here today if people in this church did not know the secret that I'm sharing with you. So y'all, some of you are saying, well, why don't you play a new record? <laughs> we know this already, and the lights wouldn't be on today. 
if it wasn't for the faithfulness of God's people. Amen? Amen? Praise God. And you would not be able to do what you have been able to do for missions if people didn't believe that if you give, you're going to receive. And if you give when it hurts, then it doesn't matter. It's still going to be okay with God, and God will somehow bless us. Some say, oh, tithing is of the Old Testament. Yeah, it's of the Old Testament. It's also of the New Testament. And you don't want to read it in the New because Jesus said, yeah, the Pharisees tithe, but so what? They do more. The Corinthians says, do more. Give generously. Yeah, it's of the Old Testament. And they think somehow tithing is like eating pork or wearing clothes with two different types of materials in them. And you're not supposed to do that. Those were laws that we don't longer live by today, but that was the law. That was given in Moses' time, before Moses was even on the scene. Abraham tithed. Jacob tithed. When Jacob had an encounter with God, he tithed. When you have an encounter with God like I did, 10%, is that all you want? The cattle on a thousand hills is God, our God's, right? It's the only commandment in the Bible where God says, try it, it'll work. Notice that? It's only one. So if you haven't tithed before, and you're thinking, oh, budget? You watch, you spend, I spend 100% of my budget. If I take 10%, I have 90%. You just watch how God stretches that 90%, and you will believe why God said, try it. You know, he says a lot of things. Do this, love your enemies. Do this, do that. He never says, try it. He says, do it. This is one time when God wants to show himself powerful on behalf of his people in this one area, the area of finances, which Jesus talked about more than anything else, any other subject, when he was here on earth. Try this, it works. And see if I will not open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing on your life and your family. Hallelujah. It's a wonderful promise. Some pastors don't like preaching on tithing because they think they are asking the people to give money to them so they have a salary. Well, that's crazy. First place, God is my boss, right? But really, I am robbing a church of a blessing. When I was pastoring every year, I had Stewardship Sunday. And that Stewardship Sunday was on the second Sunday of the month, or of January, and it, or the third that's what I did every year just as a reminder to encourage us to give a little more, dig a little deeper, and watch God bless us. So I'm 25 years of age. It's now time to start a church, so I thought. felt I wanted to start a church. I had an opportunity to start one in Mississauga. And Fred Fulford of Mississauga Gospel Portico today said, I have 10 tithing families. I went to the borough of North York and that will give you your job back. My uncle said, I give, I have, he's a real estate guy. He says, uh, he says, I will give you the down payment for your house in Mississauga. We'll start one, get one big enough so that it has a basement for a church. And if after a year you don't feel this is what God wants, I'll sell the house and don't worry about the 10%. We'll get it back. Sounds like God to me, doesn't it? Well, what do you do when God says, no, that's not what I want you to do? I didn't have the peace about it. So I turned down this offer that I know in the natural, some of my friends thought I was crazy to do. Everybody looked for that kind of an opportunity. 
So instead, I said no, and I asked the superintendent whether well, the churches are open, and I don't feel, and he mentioned campus casing. And campus casing was a community at that time about 14,000 people. We did not have a Pentecostal church, about 80% or 70% French first. Most of them spoke English, but we didn't have a church. A lot of pastors had tried to start the church, but they had to work at other jobs when they went there. And after a while, they just, it just became too much for them, and they left. And so there wasn't a work in campus casing at that time. And I felt God said, go. I told my superintendent that I was going to go. He says, I'll give you, from the district, $100 a month. I know, big deal, right? That's not going to go too far. But it was something. But I had their blessing. And the superintendent, Homer Catalan, who's gone to be with Jesus, said to me, you know, Tom, if you have to get down on your knees and ask God to give you food, do that before you go out and find other work because our other pastors haven't been able to manage the boat. And when he said it, God spoke to my heart and I knew that I wasn't going to have to work. A blessing that all those poor pastors did not, did not have. I had. God helped me. A couple of churches joined in all together, had enough money to pay for my rent. My wife, who doesn't speak a word of French, got a job. And uh, in this community where French was so important, if you're going to do your job, she got the job working for a lawyer, and uh, off we went. For three years, I pastored in that church without a salary. The church got a little bit of money. When I went there, they had $2,000 in the bank. Where did they get the 2000 Well, they bought this old warehouse. They bought a trailer. They moved a family into the trailer. They renovated the, the old warehouse into a church building, and then they left, the family left, and they were looking for a pastor to come in and build this congregation with two adults and 12 kids. And that was my job. I went there. And so uh, I went there with that kind of situation. Forgot, I lost track there. I wanted to make sure you covered. Oh, yeah, so we're getting this income. The gas bill alone for that empty old warehouse with no insulation to speak of was 600 and some dollars a month. And so this was February when I moved. And so it was gonna be like, this money's gonna be gone in three to four months. And so I decided if we are gonna really be blessed, we had about $2,000 income a month, and that really came from one fellow that tithed. And uh, so that was it. We tithed our $200 to the district, and within two months, we were taking in $6,000 Hmm. Amazing. Sure. Give God the glory. Pardon me. I said 200 a week. It was 200 a month, and it went from 200 to 2,000 a month. I'm trying to think of where I am in my notes here. I have a couple of stories I want to share. Oh, yeah. So let's go to the Bible. Abraham. He's my father of the faith. This is kind of a testimonial sermon, kind of missions a bit. So can we have the scripture up there about Hebrews chapter 11? Okay, by faith Abraham obeyed when God called him to go to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in a land of promises in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking for a city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah, his wife, herself received power to conceive, 
even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful. Abraham obeyed, she said, God's faithful, I can trust him. A little bit later it says, oh, and then it says, from this one man, and him as good as dead, because he couldn't have children, nor could she, were born descendants, as many as the stars in the heaven, as many as the innumerable grains of sand on the seashore. I like this part. By faith, this was later. God says, you're going to have a son, Sarah, preached about it, one of my first sermons. She has this son, child of miracle, Isaac, miraculous. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. You see, God said, I want you to sacrifice Isaac. And never mind, we won't get into that, but that's what God told him to do. And he was so obedient, he, you know, he said, uh, through Isaac shall your offspring be named, but I, it says he considered, this is Hebrew, he considered God was able to raise him from the dead. You know that? When he took that knife and he went like this, and that knife, knife glistened in the sun, and God said, Abraham! And he looked, and God provided sacrifice instead of his son. But he thought, according to the writer of Hebrews, that even if he killed, followed through, God would raise him from the dead because God told him already that Isaac was going to be the, the, the descendant of many, 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 many people in the years to come. I want to just share something about that word, considered. As you can see what it is in the Greek, it comes, that's where we get our word, logic. Abraham was, the logic of faith is this. The logic of faith is that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And if he says to trust me, and if he says I'm going to look after you, then the logic of that is he's going to do it. If we can't trust God, what are we doing here in this church, right? So Abraham, logic, with logic said, well, he told me to kill my son, but he told me this was the son of promise. He told me that there'd be many descendants, so, well, if I have to kill him, he is going to raise him from the dead. That was the logic of faith. And I just want to share with you how it works for me in some of the things. It means to cogitate, to weigh out, to deem, to count, to reckon. That's my favorite word. It's an old reckon, you know, hillbilly word. I reckon, you know. <laughs> Jed Clampett, I reckon. The logic of faith. When I was pastoring in Capiscasing, I told you I don't have money to speak of. We never had enough money to meet our weekly budget, even with my wife working. But God came through. People would send money in the mail. And it would just come somehow. It was three years I lived without a salary and enough money to put food on the table. But God provided because it was just a special time for that special church that's thriving today, a wonderful church. And uh, so I just thank God that I had a part of it. So a youth rally's coming up. My car needs fixed. Now, I'm breaking some legal <coughs> banking laws these days if I did this. But I wrote a check for whatever needed to be done on the car. I think it was $160 at the time. I didn't have that money. I wrote the check on Friday, picked up the car, because the kids had a youth rally, and I was the only ride to the youth rally, oh, 170-some miles away. But I reckoned that God wanted my kids to be at the youth rally with all the other church groups. And so I figured, I reckoned, that God wanted me to be there. Now, it so happens where we're living that... The ownership changed at the uh, apartment building, and he liked my apartment, this new owner. So I was, uh, first thing he did was he said, I don't want to be paid at the end of the month. I need to be paid a month in advance. 
So he, I needed, uh, at that time it was $300. So $160 or $300, Friday afternoon, and how am I going to get to the youth rally? I still was planning to go. I'm not sure how I was going to get there because it was only two hours away. I picked up my wife, and I opened up the mail, and there was a little letter in there. And in the letter, it was, looked like a steno pad, you know, ripped out, kind of hand scrawling, and this person was from Perry Sound. I didn't remember who it was. And she said, uh, we just wanted to give you some of our offerings. And so here it is. And so I honestly, I'm not exaggerating, I honestly, I thought, bless me. $10. I opened it up and there was $500. Tithed it. $450 left. Paid for the car. Paid. I know you're not supposed to write checks before you have money in the bank. But in those days you had two or three days for God to come through, right? Now it's like, if you interact, it's better be there, right? I know, it's a bit reckless. But... So I told you that story. Now I want to show you a picture. Pardon me for showing a picture of a pagan church, but anyway, this is in a Jewish synagogue. So we'll get it off the screen. Just wanted you to see that freezer and the pig. So when I'm in Perry Sound, <laughs> you're gonna leave it up there, aren't you? So anyway, so I'm in Perry. I mean, I'm going to Perry Sound to go deer hunting, and our conference after the deer hunting season is in Chatham, and I have enough money to get to Perry Sound, gas money, and when I got to Perry Sound. I didn't know how I was going to get the rest, but before I go, my cousin, another cousin, calls and says, I got this pig here, Tom, you know, if you help me kill it, I'll give you half of it. Well, I never killed a pig before, but I thought, sure. But I reasoned, if God was going to give me a pig, he was going to give me a place for it, right? I didn't have room in my little refrigerator freezer, so I thought, how am I going to do this? I don't have any money. So I went to Sears, and they had a, one sitting in their showroom back in those days. And it was around 400 and some dollars. And uh, I said, I, I never used this number, but I think I have a, a credit card number or whatever you called it back in those days. She found me somehow, because I never used it. And she said, yeah, you can put it on this credit card. So I thought, a reason that that card is going to, the bill's going to come in whatever, a month. And so I reasoned that God was going to give me a piggy, he was going to give me some place to put it. So I had it delivered to the house while I was hunting. When I went down to Perry Sound, remember I have enough gas to get there. Um, the, it was the days when preachers were spontaneous because that was my home church. and uh, I mean, not home church, but I had pastored there, the youth pastor. They, uh, it was Sunday night service. I had a feeling the pastor might do this. He says, you preach tonight. He saw me in the morning. So I thought, oh, good, there's $75, probably, something like that. And so I was going to preach for him that night. And these Pentecostal people, they had the Pentecostal handshakes, you know what I mean? They come up and shake my hand and there was paper in it. And I looked and, oh, money. <laughs> Another person came along and stuck the hand in my pocket, went in full, came out empty. Honestly, by the time it was done, I had enough money to go to Chatham to the district conference. The district was paying for my hotel, but I still had to get there. Enough money for food when I got there, enough money to pay for the freezer, enough money to tithe off of that 700 and some dollars that I got, and able to get back to my home in Capus Casing. And now I had a pig, or half a pig. I went to the butcher shop, because we got it butchered. Went to the butcher shop, somebody had the nerve to come in and pay for it. I didn't even have to pay for the get 
cut and wrap. Isn't God good? <laughs> you think God wanted to have a church, a Pentecostal church in Capus Casey? Well, I kind of think he did. Well, I handed the church over to a bilingual pastor because it was a French-speaking community after three years, and he had a full salary. We had a dentist move in, and he began to tithe. We had ambulance attendant come in. He began to tithe. And the pastor from the independent church, he came in, and he was a great tither. And just God blessed the church. They were able to pay a full salary for the pastor, buy a parsonage so he could live in it. It's just incredible. And I was able to hand the keys over. Did I have any kind of regret? Not one regret. I wouldn't be able to tell you these stories today. But that pastor was blessed, and I'm glad he had a full salary. And the church hasn't looked back. It's 2023. It's a great church today. They've had about two or three additions to it. It's just wonderful what God has done. So I went to Grimsby to pastor. And in the interview, I said, well, did your church tie to the district? And they said, uh, no. I said, well, I'm not coming here unless your church tithes. And that was you know, my number one thing. <laughs> Besides the fact that I needed to know God wanted me there. So when I got there, the treasurer started to, to send the tithes at the end of the month. And I said to the board, I said, you know, just watch, you know. We got, God always gives a sign. If you tithe, see, <laughs> watch the logic of it all. Well, it just so happened, I think in the next picture, it was, oh, before that, is there a picture of a tree? There we go. It was this big maple tree, and it was leaning into the church, and it was about ready to break. It was probably 100 plus years old. Well, the county of Lincoln said, no, it's the municipality of Niagara's problem, and the town said, it's somebody else's problem, and nobody wanted to touch it. It was going to cost us a couple thousand dollars or so, at least, to get rid of. And uh, so we were, our hands were tied. We didn't dare tackle this one. I mean, it's ready to fall. Well, I go to church one morning, and guess what I see? There's just a stump. That's it. I don't even know to this day who came along and removed it. I think the municipality of Niagara did, but I'm not even sure. But the tree, and that was a sign to the church board. See, if you will be faithful in this little bit. That church in Grimsby got to the place where they were the top giving church per Canada in the PAOC per capita because they started to give to missions and started to see God bless them. And I don't remember what the percentages were except to say that. A little while later, I went to pastor in Kincardine and in the interview I asked, do you tithe? Yes, we tithe. Okay, that's fine. I get there, I find out they're not tithing. What they meant by, or the one person meant by tithing was, well, we give, you know, we do outreach here, we give to the Gideons, we give to missions, and uh, sometimes we give to the district. I said, in the board meeting, I said this, oh, there two or three months when I figured this out. And I said, uh, well, you're either going to tithe to the district or I'm leaving. I mean, I know that's a little bit radical, but I was just immense. Hey, to me, there was going to be a blessing and that when they had the means, they were living under a curse if they weren't. And so they did. Now back to this picture. See that pink piano? It's not the same one, but we had a pink piano with a cracked board. And we had this little organ that was, you know, and they were trying to raise money for those things for years, and they couldn't get the money. 
And I said to the board, you watch. We're going to see God bless. You're going to be blessed. He'll give us a sign. He said, try me. And so we did. We sent the tithe off. And before the end of the month, we had a bequest come in. And they had, for years, had $400 in that account. Imagine giving to a piano and organ fund. Okay, maybe, unless you're the musician, you give more. But anyway, that's the situation there. And 30000 paid them for a young Chang grand piano and a beautiful big organ. That was a few years ago, folks. As you can see, it's not like that today. But that's just the way God blessed me. And God helped us. Well, I moved on to be in Barrie, Ontario, to be the pastor of a good-sized church. And we were about the two or three weeks in there, and this land developer took me for a drive, and he says, uh, I think we should start a church on the board. He's a very generous man of faith. He says, we need to start a church on the south end of Barrie. So uh, I have some land that I'm developing. I'll set outside a corner for you to have it for a church. And I'll, it'll, it'll become part of the, well, he's gonna, we're going to pay for it. But So this is like, you're only just there. And it had a slow slew of people that, you know, the last pastor was just sarcastic. Like, everybody loves Mark. You know? I'm preaching my call Sunday. And the board member introduces me, Peter, don't even listen to this. He says, uh, this is Tom Quinn. Now, when you listen to him preach, it's kind of like eating green beans. You won't like it very much, but it's good for you. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> and this bald-headed guy in the front row says, I already like his haircut. <laughs> well, I went there. But some people never even came to the church from my first Sunday on after I preached the call because they, I wasn't Mark, right? So I've already got to gain back about 50 people, so to speak. And this guy comes along with this idea. But you know what? It was God. I couldn't get away from it. So a year later, just kind of getting my feet on the ground, we got back up to around 500. So we're just getting my feet on the ground, and I bring it to the board. Wouldn't you believe it? These guys believe that we should do it and support it. And so we did. Now, when I found out, I told the new pastor, Jay Davis, I said, Jay, I'm going to tell the people, whoever wants to go can go. So one of my top musicians left. My worship leader, she was powerful. She decided to go. A person that was the strongest giver, $50,000 of the missions money of the 100000 came from this person. He was going to go south. My top usher, my greeter, the cream of the crop. So what did I do? I had a meeting with that guy with all the money, I'll tell you right now. And I tried to tell him, he's just too strong of a person for this young pastor. He should stay here because I wanted to save face, right? Honestly, they left. Not very many people, but man, were they great people. And they left. And they left around the summer of, forget what year it was now, 1997, I think. And they left. And by the end of the year, our tenants hadn't changed. At the end of the year, for the next two years, we still took $100,000 in permission. Give, give. 
in it you shall be blessed. Amen? It says here in uh, Luke chapter 6, Given it will be given to you, a good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over will be poured into your lap. For the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. When I was in Sudbury as the regional director at that time, I had a son who was a Northern Ontario football star leading, uh, not linebacker, for position. It's been so long. Anyway, leading tackles, tacks in all Northern Ontario. Big guy. Everybody liked Ben. So anyway, Ben's the drummer in the church. And one of them, anyway. So Ben has promised, promised that he's high ups in the mining. We'll get you a job in the mines. We'll get you a job in the mines. So Ben graduates. He goes to the whatever school it is you're supposed to go to for that for a little while. Then he comes out. And all of these guys and their big promises fall through. Well, it looks like they're not hiring him right now. Or this is going wrong. That's going wrong. And I was honestly dumbfounded because my son was a good kid and popular and strong, but not like me. This guy can deadlift 500 pounds. Like, I'm like, this is the kind of guy he was. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me because I'm Mr. Busy out there trying to save the world and my family's at home. My wife looking after them. And the Lord sort of spoke to me, talk to Ben about tithing. So I said, Ben, I know you're working at the gas station. You tithing? Well, no, Dad, I can't tithe. I don't make enough there. I said, well, I think you should tithe, you know. I think you should do that. So when Sunday night comes along and we spend time around the altar, why don't you come and pray at the altar at the right time? you got to play the drums for a while. So Sunday night comes. I come back from my traveling. Sunday night I'm in church with them. It's partway through the altar time. He gets up and I see him down there praying. Praise God. Kid you not. Monday morning, the phone rings from a mining company in Quebec that they'll hire him immediately in Timon. Oh, see if I will not open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing so much that you cannot. But I, I went a little longer, but let's close with some principles. I don't want to leave you here with a heavy, heavy. It says that Paul's writing to the church in Corinth, the second letter, and he's using the churches in Macedonia as an example of generosity. He says in verse 2 of chapter 8, we'll go back, take a few slides before that. In the midst of a very severe trial, it, slide 23, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, Okay. You don't have a thousand dollars, God's not going to ask you to give a thousand, even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. The next slide. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable to what one has, not according to what you don't have. Don't leave here with a guilty conscience, because you can't give hilariously to missions. And then it goes on to say, remember whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, whoever reaps generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly, because Pastor Quinn gave this sermon and said, if I don't, I'm under a curse. But not, but not reluctantly, I mean, well, God loves a cheerful. We want you to be happy. I just love pastoring in Toronto and even with our native churches because the offering plates are here. 
and the Ghanaian churches like to dance. It's a celebration. And sometimes they have four offerings in a service. It's just a happy time. God loves a cheerful giver. I hope you're just so thrilled when you put that offering envelope in there every week. Because God loves a cheerful giver. Okay, where am I? I'm going to wrap it up for you. I promise. The principles of giving. As we read from Corinthians, Paul said, you give not according, you only give, a, you give not according what you don't have. And they gave as much as they were able. It was sacrificial. Give what you decided in your heart. You go back and you pray about this missions giving. And you say, God, how much do you want me to give? And then you give, not reluctantly, you know, because Anita's a great salesperson or something like that, or she makes you cry. God loves a cheerful giver. Those are the principles of giving. So the cause and effect of establishing a healthy and blessed church. The motivation for your generosity to missions should be based on these verses. Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done. So it's like you give to Erdo, Erdo. You give to this relief fund that's helping out Turkey and Syria. You give to Erdo, P-A-O-C, but you're lending it to God. I suppose God is going to pay you back. Logic, of course. I just get so excited when I think that you're increasing your missions budget to see what's going to happen in this next year under your new pastor of the things that God is going to do, the blessings he's going to pour out upon the lives of individuals and upon this church as you continue to be generous. And that other verse said, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Then the nations, the other churches will call you blessed and yours will be a delightful church to be a part of. Amen. So for some of us, it's time for a change, isn't it? And those forms are at the back and there's pledge cards. And I encourage you to pray about it this week. Make your decision today. I had another son. The sons are a little bit like me. They're pretty stubborn. This is another guy that went out west, got himself into debt, back to Ontario, and getting his life in, in back in proper order. And not everything's in order. Ian Green speaks at a lot of youth rallies out of England. He doesn't know my son from home. I'm just like 50 or 60 youth all kneel down praying. Ian's coming over, and he has a word, like a powerful word of knowledge. He leans over to my son. And he says in his ear, start tithing. <laughs> That's all he said. And my son was battling that. My son told me what happened. So he started, and guess what? He got a good job. You know, he's a, not a master electrician, but he's a journeyman. So let's start. Amen? If you're not, start. If you are, God bless you. You could be here instead of me telling all these wonderful stories. Amen? Hallelujah. Don't put it off. Procrastination is my greatest sin. Brings me into sorrow. Not, I'm going to stop doing it. I think I'll start tomorrow. <laughs> no, start today. <laughs> Though I cannot go back and make a brand new start. My friend, anybody can start from right now and make a brand new end. Worship team, come on up. Hallelujah. Let's stand together. Heavenly Father, I pray for each person here. I thank you for this church. Thank you, God, for all those faithful people who brought their tithes week after week to Warden so that it is the church it is today. We are blessed. We are blessed because of the faithfulness of God's people. Hallelujah. And we just pray, God, as we now consider missions on top of our tithes.
that, Lord, there will be just a generous spirit that will say in here, Lord, I just believe that you're just ready to pour out so many blessings. Hallelujah. 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 Bless this church. Take your word. For that one that is a bit timid today, just remember, just God says, trust me. Hallelujah. If God can't do it, nobody can, but he can do it. Amen. So God bless your word to our hearts. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Oh, when you talk about money, you don't get as many amens as you do in other subjects. <laughs>